Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video, we'll be going in depth into my week number 16 wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside of today's video, we're going to go in depth through Thursday night football all the way up until the triple header on Christmas Monday, going through all of the games and discussing whether I like or dislike the wide receivers in every single game for the 2023 fantasy football season. But before we could hop on into things here. I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you guys do end up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure they do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into my week number 16 wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin on Thursday Night Football with the New Orleans Saints at the Los Angeles Rams, and we'll begin with the Saints side of the ball. Now, Chris Olave was limited in practice today on Tuesday with an ankle injury. Now, he has only missed one game with that injury, which was last week against the Giants, so I think you guys are going to want to make sure to follow up with this injury all the way up until kickoff. Now, I understand that the most recent report is that he is expected to play, but just because the guy's expected to play doesn't mean that is a stone cold lock that he's out there on Thursday. Now, when you say expected to play, I'm going to assume that he does suit up, but I still think you guys should kind of pay attention to this if you have Chris Olave. Now, on paper, I actually think this matchup against the Rams isn't the most ideal, but Olave has been so great this season when he's healthy that at the very least, he should be a top 20 guy. He is a high end to middle of the road wide receiver two this week for me up against the Rams. And then we got the other other Saints wide receivers, the outcasts in a way. I'm Shahid. Rashid Shahid had three receptions on four targets for 36 yards last week against the Giants. I genuinely do believe that Rashid Shahid has a lot of upside for him to be a top five wide receiver any given week due to his speed and big play upside. But man, oh man, I really do not believe that you should be starting him due to how unpredictable he is. Plus, the fact is Derek Carr is the starting quarterback, so that makes even more reason to be nervous about Shahid. AT-AT Perry is a three-target at-best guy, so I don't think there's really any need to start him. When it goes to the LA Rams, when it comes to their side of the ball, this wide receiver core is electric. Cooper Cup, right when I started to doubt this bastard, right? Right when I started to get a little bit nervous about Cooper Cup, the man decided to turn into 2021 Cooper Cup, three straight weeks with a touchdown and back-to-back -back weeks as a top five wide receiver with over eight receptions, 100 yards, and one touchdown in both games. Going up against the Saints defense, this is a barbecue chicken alert, barbecue chicken matchup for Cooper Cup. He'll be a top 10 receiver in my rankings this week. And while it may seem that I was just gargling on Cooper Cup's balls here, Nakua is still a great start as well. He had a bit of a down game last week with five receptions on eight targets for 50 yards in a wet dream matchup against the Commanders, but I do definitely expect a bounce back out of Nakua given how good Matthew Stafford is play. He should be a middle of the road wide receiver too for me would probably lean with Olave over Puka Nakua. If you had both of them, right, you can only start one. I would lean with Olave, but again, it is extremely close. Now, Demarcus Robinson has been balling over the last three games. He has scored a touchdown in every single game, and that is awesome to see Demarcus play well. With all that said, his targets vary too much week to week to the point of me not being confident in starting him. Next up, we move to the Saturday slated games, two games on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers and AFC North rivalry matchup. Tee-hee Higgins with Jamar Chase's shoulder injury and with him being out not just this game, but potentially for the rest of the regular season. I understand that the matchup here might be a little bit scary against the Steelers, but the Steelers defense has called uncle. The Steelers defense may get absolutely fucking pile-drived by Jake Browning and friends in Cincinnati. Without Chase, you just have to think that Higgins will be a 6-10 to 10 target guy this week. Last week, he scored one of the greatest touchdowns I have seen in a while. Now, I'm not going to get down on my knees, give him the Gawk Gawk 9000 special and say that was the best touchdown ever because, of course, it wasn't, but it was. 
an amazing high IQ play by him. He had four receptions in that game on eight targets for 61 yards and two touchdowns against the Vikings. Now, he is going to end up being a lower-end wide receiver, too, due to the fact that I believe that while technically if the Bengals and the Steelers were in two different divisions, I really think the Bengals would lay a smackdown brother on the Steelers that have essentially given up but since this game is in division, will probably end up being a little bit lower scoring, thus hurting T. Higgins' upside. Then we move to the other Bengals. Tyler, yeah, Boyd will be the wide receiver two in this spot. And if Joe, Bur Joe Burrow was healthy, I would really be sitting here really excited about Tyler Boyd. But even with how good Jake Browning has played, this matchup, like I said, reeks of being low scoring, so I would stay away from Boyd. Same thing goes with Trenton Irwin, the crocodile wrangler himself. The upside's there, right? We've seen the upside out of Boyd. We've seen the upside out of Irwin, but I think you're getting cute starting either of them, even up against a disheveled Steelers team. Now, in true Christmas fashion, Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, will be the quarterback one for the Steelers, essentially putting the dagger into Mitchell Trubisky's career of ever really being a guy that you want as your backup. Now, probably still surf around the league, right, and find another spot, but man, Mitch Trubisky fucking sucks. Deontay Johnson has scored a touchdown in three straight games, but frankly, with Rudolph under center, I cannot trust him, and that puts him as a low-end start. He's a fringe start, low-end wide receiver three for me. Now, the upside is there. Again, three straight weeks with a touchdown. It really is Christmas for Deontay Johnson. He never scores touchdowns, but I definitely do not trust him at all this week. So, George Pickens, I was someone in the offseason that wrote off Pickens, right? And unlike Geno Smith, Pickens didn't write back because he has had a pretty bad season. Now, he has shown off some promise this season, but in all honesty, I was completely correct. This man hasn't been a top 24 receiver since week fucking seven. The season's almost over. Again, I'm not trying to slam dunk on George Pickens because I still think he has a great skill set and he's very fun to watch, but he should be nowhere near your starting lineup. Allen Robinson, if you were to start this guy in the Lord's year of 2023, they should send you straight to the gallows. There's no need to start Allen Robinson in a Mason Rudolph-led offense. Next up, we move to the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers. I talked about this in the running back video from earlier today, but get some brownie points with your family here. Hang out with the family. Ain't no need to watch the Buffalo Bills versus the Los Angeles Chargers on Saturday night football. Now, Stefan Diggs has shit his pants in back-to-back -back weeks, falling outside of the top 45. Regardless of how great that Bills offense looked in both of those games, Diggs has been down in the dumps. Now, if you're sitting here complaining about Diggs, I get it, but I'm not going to sit here fucking tweaking, panicking about Stefan Diggs. And if you are even pandering, even if the thought in your head, if the thought entered your head of sitting Stefan Diggs, then you're a complete and utter silly goose, all right? To me, against the Chargers defense that gets bent over a table weekly, a Bella Danger style, Diggs is a must start as a top 10 guy. Now, Gabe Davis has become the quintessential boom or bust guy. He will legit have zero catches or he's going to get like six catches over 100 yards and a touchdown. If you look at his last three games, in two of those games, he had zero receptions. In one of those games, he had six receptions on 12 targets for 105 yards and a touchdown. If you want to get a little bit risky and play him against the Chargers, right? The matchup is great. Shout out Tony the Tiger. Sure, go ahead. But I personally won't be indulging in that this Christmas season. Khalil Shakir is, Shakira, Shakira is the Walmart version of Gabe Davis. There's no chance I'm playing him. I get the upsides there. Even against the Chargers, he's a no-go for me. Joshua Palmer last week for the Chargers had four receptions on four targets for 113 yards 
and a touchdown up against the Raiders in a game where the Chargers got hit with the fucking stone cold stunner. Palmer is on the fringe of start worthy guys due to the fact that, hey, Easton Stick is the quarterback. Hey, this game is going to be an absolute beatdown by the Buffalo Bills. But we have to acknowledge that they're going to have to be throwing the ball late and up against the Bills defense. It wouldn't shock me if Palmer had a halfway decent game. Again, this is under the assumption that Keenan Allen does not play. QJ, Quinton Johnston looked good last week on his touchdown reception. Congratulations. But again, with Easton Stick under center, I only feel confident in nutting up and playing Palmer. Jalen Guyton is a two to three target guy most weeks. You don't start a two to three target guy on even a Justin Herbert offense. You're definitely not doing it on a stick offense. Next up, we move to the beginning of the Sunday slate, Christmas Eve, Indianapolis Colts at the Atlanta Falcons. Now for Drake London, we went on an absolute rant. We went on a tear, Genghis Khan style, up against Arthur Smith in the running back start sit video. So if you want to hear me get a little bit angry, get a little bit pissed off, then you can watch that video here. We'll be a little bit cooler, calmer, and collected about this whole situation. And that is because I have found inner peace, right? The Falcons have benched Desmond Ritter for Heineke, which to me is a last ditch effort for Palmer trying to scratch or for Arthur Smith to kind of scratch his way back onto trying to keep his job. Hopefully he gets fired celebrity apprentice style. And next year we can be all excited about London Pitts and Bijan because the bad man is gone. And hopefully if they get Justin Fields or another quarterback that isn't an absolute bum. The matchup for London here is solid, but he is a fringe start to me based upon how unpredictable this offense is. Two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, I'm not saying like five weeks ago, six weeks ago, two weeks ago, London ate the Buccaneers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 10 receptions on 11 targets for 172 yards, and then he followed that up with last week, Two receptions on three targets for 24 yards. He is a desperation play to me at best. Again, Drake London is a great talent. But just because you're a great talent doesn't mean Jack if you're on the Atlanta Falcons. And that's clear with Bijan, Pitts, all of these great players. So for the other Falcons, Van Jefferson is one of those guys that will have a humongous game every once in a while. But he's had two or fewer targets in five straight games, he should be on your waiver wire and probably won't even finish as a top 100 guy. Daryl Hodge, also five straight weeks with two or fewer targets. Don't start him. When it comes to the Indianapolis Colts, I get, I get, I get that Michael Pittman is most likely out because he got hit hard with that concussion. I hope he's okay. But even with Pittman missing a majority of last week's game, right? It's not like Pittman went out in the, for the fourth quarter. He went out early. He was having a huge game. And he got injured, which really sucked. Even though he missed a majority of the game, Downs had just three targets. So I'm not going to get cute and start him, even though I really like the matchup. Alec Pierce out-targeted Downs last week, but it didn't really matter as he had one reception on those five targets. He could have a solid game, as we have seen once this season, but one solid game with every other game of him being under 10 fantasy points, you're not playing him. DJ Montgomery would be the wide receiver three on this team with Pittman out, and he did find the end zone last week, but I don't expect that to happen again. No one even owns Montgomery in like 32 people leagues, so you're going to sit him. Next up, we move to the Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans. If you guys have enjoyed today's video thus far, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below if you're new. Whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. So Metcalf had a down performance last week up against the Philadelphia Eagles with horse cock Drew Locke under center. He had five receptions on six targets for 78 yards. Now there is a crystal clear you know, 2020 vision way to see that this game up against the Titans defense will be a game where DK Metcalf hits the Titans defense with a DDT, right? This game reeks. You can smell it through the screen of a top 12 performance for Metcalf. I think Geno Smith will be back this week, which again, Drew Locke looked great. I love Drew Locke. I'm a Drew Locke truther, but I am going to be happy that Geno's back for Metcalf's upside. Now, Lockett 
is always going to be, and still is, a very boom or bust player. Three straight games with six or more targets, but the risk is always there. Due to the matchup, he is listed as a start. If they were going up against a better defense, he would probably be in the sit range. So he's a high-risk wide receiver three for me this week. Now, JSN scored the game-winning touchdown last week against the Eagles. It was awesome to see Drew Locke throw a laser, firing me laser, right up against the Eagles and winning the game. JSN went four for four, like he was at Wendy's, for 48 yards and a touchdown. This week, up against the Titans, while this is a wet dream matchup, while this is a great matchup for JSN, he's the wide receiver three on the team. And while I love his talent, while I was so excited for him getting drafted to the Seahawks, it feels like we are a year out from really trusting JSN. I get that, you know, JSN should be able to push past Lockett, move over, old man, right? The time is now. It's my time now, but that ain't going to happen. Hopefully next year we get to see JSN shine. Again, the upside's very evidently there. We've seen it a bunch, but I just don't trust it. For the Titans... DeAndre Hopkins' season has been a complete and utter roller coaster ride. And it's not just, you know, one of those kiddie rides where it's like, oh, you're just going around in the circle. Nah, this is one where there's like a million fucking spins, there's loops, all that, right? It's like you're playing Roller Coaster Tycoon back in the day, which was a fire game if anyone played that. Over the last three games, he has been a top 14 receiver in two games. And the other game, which just so happens to be last week against the Texans, he was the wide receiver 79. Now, he did have nine targets last week against the Texans, but it resulted in just two receptions for 21 yards. Man, is it really hard to read Hopkins in my opinion. I think he could go crazy this week against Seattle. I also think he might shit the bed, especially now with Tannehill back under center. He's a high-end wide receiver three for me. There's reasons to want to start Hopkins over Lockett, and I probably would start Hopkins over Lockett. But again, it's not like a smooth sailing road for DeAndre Hopkins this season. Traylon Burks had a decent game last week, 3 of 3 for 62 yards. But this is honestly like the best day for Burks, right? Or maybe he gets four targets on his best day. That just isn't good enough on a run-heavy team. Nick Westbrook, Ekaeen, had one reception on two targets last week for 33 yards. Again, if I'm not going to be starting Traylon Burks, who gets more targets than Westbrook, I wouldn't be starting a guy that gets less targets. He is a clear sit. Next up, we move to the Detroit Lions at the cold-like Minnesota Vikings. Now, Amon Ross St. Brown answered our prayers because he was straight-up ass in Week 14 against the Chicago Bears. He really let us down. But again, he answered our calls. He knew, hey, it's playoff time. So he went crazy. Seven receptions on nine targets for 112 yards and a touchdown in an excellent chef's kiss manufweek performance up against the Broncos. I get that on paper against the Vikings, this matchup is a little bit scary. But the Sun God has been consistent all season long. So there's no need to leave this guy's side right now. He is a top five bus start wide receiver for me on the week. Jamison Williams has gotten a solid push in terms of targets, especially last week, right? He got seven targets, which is more targets than his prior three games combined. And while I'm happy that JMO finally got that extra oomph against the Vikings defense, I would rather just leave Jamison Williams on the bench. Considering just one game with seven targets doesn't mean that he's a guarantee for a solid target share this week against the Vikings. Josh Reynolds is a three to four target a week guy. Even on such a great offense with JMO getting that bump, Reynolds belongs riding the pine. Now for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, if you have him on your team, you already knew you were starting him. Jay Jettas was good to go last week against the Bengals and had seven receptions on 10 targets for 84 yards. Now, obviously, if you're someone that's watched Justin Jefferson throughout his illustrious career, you would be like, ah, oh, that game kind of sucks, right? You weren't a big fan of that game, right? He wasn't what you expected since he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. But hey, he didn't really screw you. He didn't sell you up the river and greener pastures are clearly ahead. The Lions defense is straight trash. So Jefferson should be back on top as a top five wide receiver this week. Now, while Jefferson was being pretty meh, pretty eh out there, Jordan Addison Ray, I want a bad bitch. 
Jordan Addison Ray took the Bengals defense to pound town, hung, 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 with six receptions on six targets for 111 yards and two tugs as the wide receiver one. Now, we all knew that he had that dog in him, right? We all knew that he had a big game like that in him, but I certainly did not see that coming at all. Now, we fast forward to week 16, and I still view him in a similar light as I did last week. The upside is very there, but is very much there. But to me, he is far from a lock to even be a top 40 guy. With all that said, the Lions defense matchup is great for him. He's a high-end wide receiver three, mostly because the matchup is so juicy. Again, if this was a different matchup, we'd probably be talking a little bit different about Jordan Addison. KJ Osborne now with Jefferson back. Any hopes that Osborne was going to do anything has now been flushed down the toilet. Next up, we move to the Washington Commanders at the New York Jumbo Jets. But before we break down this game at the wide receiver position, as well as the rest of the games, all the way up until the three games on Christmas, I would like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today, Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for you guys. But first, before we get on into the offer, I do want to explain how the NFL Pick'em game works. So you have to pick a minimum of two players from at least two different teams. So we're going to be talking about Thursday Night Football, the Saints at the LA Rams. We're going to go with higher on the rushing yards for Alvin Kamara, higher than 49.5 rushing yards. And then we're going to go to the Rams and click on the other running back, Kyron Williams, higher than 88.5 rushing yards at both of these hit we'll get three times our entry fee now if we do three picks and they all hit it's six times four picks is 10 times and five picks is 20 times your entry fee now if you are new to underdog fantasy and use promo code notorious living in one of the states on your screen right now you will have a first match deposit bonus of up to hundred dollars so you deposit 100 they give you an additional 150 additional 50 25 additional 25 the minimum deposit on underdog fantasy is ten dollars if you have a gambling problem please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER Back on into things here, the commies at the New York Jumbo Jets. Now, I finally had enough of McLaurin last week, right? I was kind of dancing on his grave, right? Four straight weeks outside the top 36. He ain't going to do anything. Thumbs down for him. And then he goes out there in a matchup that I believe to be tough against the Rams. And he has six receptions on 12 targets for 141 yards and a touchdown. I'm sitting there watching the game like, how the fuck is this possible? And then I had an epiphany. It cost me 50 at Tiffany's. Shout out to Tiffany Stephanie. I realized that this all came, most of this came in garbage time when Howell was sitting on the bench and Jacoby Brissett was chilling while the Rams defense was kind of just coasting. I don't believe in Terry at all, but he is good enough to be a low end wide receiver three again. If you want to, like, limit the list to, hey, Nick, we're just talking about the top 30 receivers, McLaurin is definitely not making the cut as a start. Now, when it comes to Curtis Samuel, he had yet another solid game. Two touchdowns on Sunday, but against a stout Jets defense, I would rather just turn the other cheek and start a different wide receiver. Jahan Dotson has shown bits of being solid this season, but those flashes have came far and few in between. Just two fantasy points last week, and I will not spend any more of my time yapping about Mr. Dotson. You already knew to sit him anyways. For the Jets, the Dolphins' defense last week had the Jets' offense behind bars locked up Al Capone style, and Wilson had three receptions on four targets for 29 yards. He was up against, for a lot of that game, Jalen Ramsey, and Ramsey locked him up and threw away the key. Against the Commander's defense, though, the worst defense in the NFL, I expect a top 24 game, assuming, and sometimes assumptions make an ass out of you and me, that Zach Wilson's good to go. If they go with a backup, then Garrett Wilson's going to start falling down because even with Zach Wilson being so bad, the other options are even worse. And Aaron Rodgers isn't playing this year. Shocker, right? He comes in the news all the time. Oh my God, Aaron Rodgers is going to come back, right? Jets fans get a fucking little chub down in their pants. Oh my God, Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. He was just fucking with you. He was just teasing you. He had you by the balls. He was never going to come back. Funny. Funny. Now again, I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. I like Aaron Rodgers. But he really grabbed the Jets fans by the cojones 
Uh, Xavier Gibson, despite being a special teams guy, he actually looks like the second best receiver on this team. But even up against the commander's defense, just knowing how much of a dumpster fire the Jets offense is, anyone in this wide receiver core not named Garrett Wilson belongs on the bench. Alan Lazard. Now, Medusa must have looked at Lazard again because he has stone hands. Funny, right? He is a Rogers merchant, as people call him. Like, two is a Tyreek merchant, which he's not. Roger, I mean, uh, Lazard really is a Rodgers merchant. He can't do shit without him. Sit him down. Speaking of Rodgers, we got the Green Bay Packers at the Carolina Panthers. Now, yet again, I do not expect Christian Watson to play. And I think even if he does play, he gets eased in. And that will give Jaden Riley Reed the wide receiver one role in this offense. Back-to-back -back weeks with a score. And he has been sucking in targets like it is, is his job, which it is. He has been a target monster. Against the Panthers defense, I expect yet another solid game. He is in the wide receiver two range for me on the week. Now, I still like Dobbs. But I'm done with him, right? I've thrown him aside. Friendship ended with Dobbs. Reed is my best friend now. Three straight duds in a row. Or two straight duds, I apologize. In a row for Dobbs. I only feel confident in Reed at this point. Now, John Wick's cousin, Dontavian Wicks, had six receptions on seven targets for 97 yards against the Bucks. He is a solid player and may even be better than Dobbs at this point. But either way, if you're starting someone not named Jaden Reed... On this team, any of these other receivers, you're just getting cute. Now, Adam Thielen is another one of these guys that if we we're just talking about the top 30 receivers as starts, he would not be included. He is a full-on desperation start. Like, your team is in DEFCON 1 mode. Wee-woo, wee-woo. You fucking broke glass in case of emergency. You got to throw Adam Thielen out there. Now, the Packers defense has been getting pushed around, right? They've been getting bullied. The last couple of weeks, they got bullied by DeVito, got bullied by Baker Mayfield, who just smacked them up. But even against a bad Packers defense, they might look like the 85 Bears against the Panthers offense. So honestly, if Carolina was playing a better team, a better defense, Thielen would be on the bench. But since they're playing the Packers, I have just an ounce of hope. But again, I don't have the highest of hopes. I'm not banging the drum here aggressively for Adam Thielen. Jonathan Mingo has really gotten a decent bump up in targets. He's gotten enough targets to be successful. But the problem is a lot of these targets from Bryce Young are shaking more than some ass in the club when no hands comes on. So you got to stay away from Mingo. DJ Chark, do, 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 baby Chark has seen a reduction in targets with Mingo on the up and up, making Chark unrosterable. Next up, we move to the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. Again, if you guys have enjoyed thus far, which again, if you've watched me for 25 minutes and you're just sitting here like, wow, I don't like this guy. Why are you still watching, right? If you have enjoyed, hit that like button. And if you are new to the channel, hit that subscribe button down below. It really helps me out a ton. So the Browns at the Texans. Now, Amari Cooper caught a laser from the elite one, Joe Flacco, last week up against the Bears, scoring one touchdown on eight targets, four catches, and 109 yards. Flacco has turned Amari Cooper into a top 28 wide receiver now in back-to-back -back weeks, and I fully expect him to replicate that up against a somewhat underrated Texans defense. Should finish anywhere from wide receiver 18 to 26. And I know that is a wide range, but I'll put him in the mid-range wide receiver two range. And, you know, if things don't go well, he'll probably be a high-end wide receiver three. But again, I don't think you'll be disappointed with Cooper this week. Now, I like Elijah Moore, but his run of getting a shitload of targets has kind of just faded away. He had just three targets last week, and... Even if he was to bounce back in Houston, I would rather just let it happen on my bench. Tedrick Tillman, on the other hand, got a bunch of targets. Eight receptions last week, or he had eight targets last week, four receptions. Sorry about that. That would have sounded a little crazy. For 52 yards. Tillman is a fine player, but that isn't enough to start a wide receiver three on a Joe Flacco offense, which I've acknowledged can implode at any moment, right? Flacco has looked amazing recently, and look, I give Flacco a lot of credit. He's an older gentleman. I'm a Flacco guy. There's something about Flacco. I love Joe Flacco, but let's be honest. Would it be surprising at all? Now, maybe not against the Texans, right? But it would be, would it be surprising to anyone if out of nowhere, now I get that this is like a dome game, so it probably won't happen, but you know, it gets a little bit colder. It's getting real nippy out, right? Your nipples start to get real hard, right? They can cut diamonds, and then Flacco just falls apart, right? That wouldn't really be that surprising. Well, probably won't happen this week. But again, 
I wouldn't be surprised if this Browns offense combusted out of thin air. Nico, cousin, let's go bowling. Collins tested his calf injury in pregame workouts last week prior to the game up against the Titans and was not able to go. If he is able to play this week, even with the matchup being concerning, obviously, the Browns defense is amazing. He would be a low-end wide receiver to me with super high upside. If he misses, then that would further jolt up Noah Brown up the rankings. If you are a Collins owner, I would suggest following the Texans practice reports as the week goes along. Noah Brown went hog wild. Noah Brown went nuclear 25 kill streak Modern Warfare 2 against that defense last week, right? Eight receptions on 11 targets for 82 yards and a touchdown with Case Keenum in Tennessee. Now, I know if CJ Stroud doesn't play, then I would actually be a lot more nervous about Nico Collins and Noah Brown, but I, who is as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, would project as of right now that I do think C.J. Stroud suits up on Sunday. So, the matchup, if Collins plays, puts Noah Brown into the wide receiver three, the high-end range, right? We know he has top 10 upside any given week, but again, the matchup is scary. Like, I'm not going to sit here and just pretend like the Cleveland Browns defense sucks ass, because it doesn't. And like I said, with Nico, if Nico was to miss, that would give a huge bump into Collins. That would give a huge bump to fucking Noah Brown if Collins is in. I did that sniff thing, get it bump, and it fucked up the equilibrium in my ear. Like I now have, I don't know what that's called, where like when you get on an airplane, your ears pop. That just happened to me, so you really hate to see it. Sergeant Robert Woods is a sit every single week. Even if Noah Brown and Nico Collins both were to miss for some reason, I still wouldn't play him. Next up, we move to a matchup between the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to start the 4 o'clock slate on Sunday. Now, Mike Evans was back on the saddle like his name was Uncle from Red Dead Redemption last week in Green Bay following a straight-up terrible performance against the Falcons in Week 14. Last week, he had four receptions on six targets for 57 yards and a touchdown. This man just keeps putting up numbers every single season. I was a big Mike Evans guy in the offseason. I talked about how I know, oh my God, Baker Mayfield is that and the other thing. He's still going to be good. This guy was putting up 1,000-yard receive, receiving seasons with Jameis Winston. He's done it with Baker. He's done it with Fitzpatrick. He's done it with garbage cans at the quarterback position. And people were still doubting him. So it's, like, really shocking. Like, oh, my, oh my God, Mike Evans is so good. Like, who would have fucking known, right? He was obvious. It was very obvious. He will be a top 10 wide receiver in my rankings weekly. And based upon how the Jaguars defense has looked pretty recently, I would not be shocked at all if Mike Evans was the wide receiver one in fantasy. Now, Chris Godwin has reeled me back in with his performance last week against the Packers. 10 receptions on 12 targets for 155 yards. By far, his best game of the season. Back-to-back -back weeks with 11 or more targets has me ready to get disappointed again, right? Because I'm now bought back in which now buys me back into a scenario where I could be very sad at the end of the week if he ends up shitting the bed. Since the matchup is good, I'll list him as a high-end wide receiver three. If this matchup was tougher, despite the amount of targets he's got recently, he probably would end up being a sit because, again, I still don't really trust him. Then we got Trey Palmer. Palmer's targets have fallen quicker than the dude that Jake Paul fucking KO'd the other night. One reception on two targets last week for five yards. He hasn't scored over 10 points this season. I doubt anyone even has him on your fantasy team, though. Then we got the Jaguars, right? Calvin Ridley has had back-to-back -back weeks with 12 or more targets, yet he has failed to eclipse 10 points in both games. Now, without Zay Jones, I just have to believe that top 24 game is coming. This could be a high-scoring game if the Jaguars look like normal, so I'm going to throw blind belief onto Calvin Ridley. He may end up being a big, fat bust, but I'm going to start him as a top 20 option. Parker George Washington should operate as the wide receiver, too, and has looked great despite playing in just a couple of games in his short NFL career. Regardless of this being a cool story, bro, I won't be starting Washington. Jamal Agnew saw a long bomb, a missile, from a touchdown last week from Mr. Lawrence against the Ravens. But outside of that, Agnew is just a big play guy. And I get that. Maybe this could be the game where it happens, but... 
too much of a risk to start him. Next up, we got the Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago, Chicago Bears. Now, wiki wiki, DJ Moore had a very disappointing outing last week up against the Browns defense, but... While it was disappointing, you could have definitely saw it coming because it's the Browns defense. He had four receptions on 52 yards. But guess what? Now he gets to face a defense that couldn't stop me. I could go out there, fucking hit the defense with the spin cycle, stiff arm them into a goddamn washing machine. What are you doing, step bro? All right. I can really, again, Nick, you can't actually do that. I know. I know. Right? Joke. Right? Obviously, if I went up against the Cardinals defense, I would stand no chance. Like, I don't even think I'd get past the line. I'd get fucking stuffed to Middle Earth. So, I think more will be back inside the top 10 this week. I'm not worried Juan bit. Darnell, here comes the Mooney, had the W in his hands. He had the whole world in his hands, and he fumbled it. Here comes the Mooney, hasn't scored over 10 points since week 9 in New Orleans. Sit him down, and if you're a Bears fan... Don't just sit him down, you know? Make it a point known, right? Put him at the bottom of your page. Sit him angrily. Because that would piss me off if I was a Bears fan. It, it really would. Like, how the hell did you drop that? Tyler, great Scott, looked way better than Mooney on Sunday. But that ain't hard to do. He is a four-target-at-max guy on an offense that funnels the ball to Komet and DJ Moore. Sit him down. Marquise Brown has now scored a grand total of zero points. In drum roll, please. Not one game, but back-to-back -back games. I still think Hollywood's a talented player, but you would need to be on that toad venom to start Hollywood at this point in the season. Michael Wilson pulled a Hollywood Brown, and he also scored a goose egg, grand total of zero points in his return game up against the Niners. Nick, I get the Niners' defense is so much better than, than, than the Bears. I don't care. I'm still not starting Hollywood I, or, or Michael Wilson. If I can't start Brown, I'm not starting Wilson. Now we got short King Rondell Moore now. Congratulations. A round of applause for him. He actually caught a pass in that game. Holy cannoli. Holy cannoli. I can't believe it. With that said, he had eight yards. Did him. Next up, we move to the Fraud Bowl. My Dolphins versus the Cowboys in Miami. Game of the fucking century. As a Dolphins fan, I am so excited for this game. Now... Do I think this game would be easier if the Bills didn't pound the Dallas Cowboys from the back? How you like that? Yes. I think so. Cowboys were running off of a W. Maybe they'd be a little bit lackadaisical. And maybe the Dolphins would hit them with the 619 Rey Mysterio. But now, the Dolphins just smacked the Jets up. And now, we're looking to assert our dominance as a non-fraudulent team. Now, I already know how this works. I talked about it in the Running Back Start Sit video. No one's going to give the Dolphins credit if they win this game. No one will. The media will still say, oh my God, they just beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys are also frauds, right? Then we have to beat the Ravens. And then when we beat the Ravens, there'll still be a bunch of chatter. How real are they? Then they beat the Bills. They'll still be chatter. This is the worst one seed team ever, this, that, and the other thing, right? Because the media hates the Dolphins. Now, Nick, that's biased because you're a Dolphins fan. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I just see the media dragging our nuts through some broken glass. And it's frustrating. And I am here to go to war on Christmas Eve for the Miami Dolphins. I am ready to strike when the iron's hot. And I'm ready for the Dolphins to dick down the Cowboys. Not in Dallas. That's a song. Dick down in Dallas. But in Miami, baby. Now, again, am I guaranteeing a win? Of course not. But I'm rooting for a win. And I hope we can get one. So now onto the actual analysis. If you're not a Dolphins fan or if you don't care about my allegiance to the Dolphins, you could just fast forward it through that. So now onto the actual assessment of things here. Cowboys at Dolphins. C.D. Lamb. The Cowboys managed to not only let their fans down, but absolutely spit-roasted them in an awful performance against the Bills that we just hinted at. Now, miraculously, despite getting hit with the left hand of Conor McGregor, Lamb still had seven receptions on 53 yards with one rush for three yards and a touchdown. This week against the Dolphins, I think this game is going to be a good old-fashioned, old-western shootout. Lamb should be a top five receiver at the end of the night. He is a must start regardless of the matchup, but I am definitely excited about him on Sunday. Brandon Cooks has now disappointed in back-to-back -back weeks, which makes him a bottom-of-the-barrel start. Now, even when he was playing good, he was still a bottom-of-the-barrel start, but now even more so. I talked about this last week, but he is a guy that will see around four to five targets weekly. If he finds the end zone, right, if Dak's cooking up a great meal, right, then you're going to be happy. 
But if he doesn't score a touchdown, Dak plays a little bit bad, then you're going to be sad. This week against the Dolphins, I think it's possible that he has a good game. So I'll put him in the start range. But again, he is just barely a start again. He's another one of these guys. We're talking just top 30, top 32 even. Brandon Cooks is not making, he's not cracking it, right? That's just how I feel. Now Gallup is about as reliable as using a Snickers wrapper as a condom and trying not to get a chick pregnant. He has been mostly trash all season long, and even with me liking this game, there is no way I would be starting Michael Gallup. For the Dolphins, Tyreek missed last week, but I fully expect him back this week. Again, I'm not a doctor, but based upon everything that I've read, I did my reading for the week, it would appear that he should be back, and I think he's going to be gunning for that 2,000-yard mark Tyreek 2K. The Cowboys' defense just got hit with the choke slam by the Bills. And I think the Dolphins can do the same. Reek has 30 plus point upside any given week. He could be going up against the 85 Bears or the 2023 Dallas Cowboys. Wouldn't matter. You're starting him every single week. And you already knew that you were going to start him. So I'm not going to sit here chortling his metaphorical balls, you know, to start Tyreek Hill. Jay the waddled away, waddle waddle, till the very next day, bum 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 bada bum. In Hill's absence, Waddle was standing on business, as the kids or Drake would say, with eight receptions for 142 yards and a long touchdown. Tua can't throw deep. Well, take that and shove it up your ass because he can. With Hill now back, 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 back in the equation, I expect Waddle to fall a bit, not like a Humpty Dumpty-esque fall, but a little bit of a fall into being a mid-range wide receiver too. Again, I really do expect fireworks, Katy Perry style here, and I expect this to be a high scoring game, but maybe the fireworks won't come since the Dolphins just cut Jason Pierre-Paul. Cedric Wilson, uh, at the very least recently, has been the wide receiver three on the Dolphins. With that said, the Dolphins do rotate the wide receiver three a lot, like uh, River Minecraft, River Craycraft, we'll get it in there, Braxton Berrios. So, while Cedric Wilson is technically the guy, like, they have chosen Anderson as well, so it's like, no need to really play Cedric Wilson. Next up, we move to, Cause you waited all day for Sunday night, the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. Man, the Patriots kind of disappointed me last week because I know that the Patriots shouldn't have beaten the Chiefs, but it, it really felt like, like, I don't know what it was, but something, like, told me last week, Nick, maybe the Patriots could beat the Chiefs. And it started off looking well, and then obviously by the end of the game, it was over. But, uh, yeah, that was, I guess, a stupid thought of mine. But despite the Broncos playing a game that was so bad, it made their fans sick, right? That was a game that was terrible on Saturday night. Sutton still managed to be a top 30 wide receiver with five receptions on six targets for 71 yards. I expect this team to bounce back even while the Patriots defense is pretty solid. And with Sutton being a touchdown machine, scoring 10 touchdowns in 14 games, has to be a low-end wide receiver to start weekly. Jerry Judy looked halfway decent last week, but Judy frankly just isn't good enough to start. Most weeks he gets under 50 yards and has only scored one touchdown on the season. That would be... How many did I say Sutton scored? Sutton scored 10. So he has nine less touchdowns than Sutton. Steve Smith was right about this guy. Set him down. Marvin Mimsy has that Lightning McQueen speed, right? But it just doesn't matter if you can't get any targets. Sit him. For the Patriots, DeMario Douglas, it's DeMario time, had his first down game in a while last week in his return game against the Chiefs with just six points. Now, I still like Douglas. But at this stage in the game, right? For some, it's week one of the playoffs. For some, we are in the second round. We're in the fucking playoffs. There is no need to wrap your team in a condom. There's no need to wrap it in a Trojan and a Durax. Double wrap that thing. Don't actually do that. That doesn't work as well. Just use one. Little tip. But, uh, little tip, pause. But <laughs> I'm not looking to play super safe plays at this point in the season with limited upside, right? Like, Douglas is never going to get you 18 plus points. So you have to sit him, in my opinion. Devontae Paco went 5 of 5 for 44 yards last week, but I don't want anything to do with the starting wide receiver on a Patriots offense, even if the Broncos defense looked like they couldn't stop a nosebleed last week. Tyquan Thornton is the worst out of the group of the Patriots receivers. No need to even spend more than 15 seconds talking about him. Sit him down. Now we move to, oh, this is Christmas. 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Las Vegas Raiders. At the Kansas City Chiefs. Rashi Rice has went from being a real safety net, right? Ooh, real safe play. The wide receiver one in the Patrick Mahomes offense. This is great. All fine and dandy. 
but now he's a top 12 wide receiver weekly, basically. This week against the Raiders defense, I know they just absolutely clamped up the Chargers, the Chargers offense last week. I expect Rice to be a top 12 receiver yet again. Done that in back-to-back -back games. This man is the only wide receiver on the Chiefs that can catch. So I shouldn't, it shouldn't really be surprising that he's getting so many targets every single week. So Rashi Rice is a must start at this point in the season, which would have sounded crazy just like six weeks ago when he was, again, just a guy you insert in your lineup. He'd be a top 32 guy. Wouldn't really go off, but you'd be fine starting him. Kind of like Demario Douglas. And now he's like Jerry Rice now. He's not actually like Jerry Rice, Nick. I know. At a four. Um, when it comes to the other Chiefs, Watson. Justin Watson had his time in the limelight a few weeks ago against the Eagles where he went crazy. But ever since then, he has been like a three-target or less guy. Sit him for the rest of the season as the rest of these garbage Chiefs receivers. MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling wouldn't even have been able to catch COVID in early 2021, right? He's that bad. So I would sit him down. For the Raiders, Adams has had back-to-back -back weeks with 10 targets, and last week he ripped off a vintage Green Bay Packers Devontae Adams game with eight receptions on 12 targets for 101 yards and a touchdown in a game in which the Raiders put the Chargers in a body bag with that great game in mind. And while that was fun, with Aiden O'Connell under center, I don't think two great games can happen in a row. Like, Bijan Robinson had a couple games, good games in a row, right? Great things don't happen in a row when you're on the Falcons. Great things don't happen in a row when Aiden O'Connell's the starting quarterback. Now, he should still be a top 24 guy, mid-range wide receiver too for me, but based upon a basic understanding of this offense, you should know that things might end up going sour this week. So Jacoby Myers is in that fringe start range where you're essentially just chucking up threes, Stephen Curry style from beyond half court. We know the upside is there as he has scored two touchdowns last week, but at the same time, he is completely handcuffed by the play of Aiden O'Connell. If he doesn't have a great game, I doubt he will straight up bust all over you, pause, right? It'll end up being like a huge bust. But the floor is low due to the team he is on. Hunter Renfro just isn't used in the same fashion he was a couple years ago, which obviously makes sense because they have Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams now. And maybe in a different situation, he could shine. But that's not changing this season. So he is a sit. Next game here, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Christmas. New York football giants at the fly. Eagles fly. The Eagles. Now, the Eagles' backs are against the ropes, right? The Eagles are getting fucking beaten and battered. The Eagles might be bumbling. They might be stumbling. Did the 49ers lay the script out on how to beat the blueprint out for how to beat the Eagles? Maybe. Because the Eagles, ever since that game, haven't looked the same. Starting to wonder, hey, are the, the, this Eagles team even going to win a game in the playoffs? Playoffs. Obviously, they're making the playoffs, but I don't know. Jalen Hurts. A.K.A. the running back himself hasn't looked himself. Now, maybe I'm seeing the Eagles fans blaming the offensive coordinator, right? So that makes Jalen Hurts make all these erratic decisions. I don't know, but it hasn't been sweet for the Eagles recently. Brown had a sad night against the Seahawks in Seattle on Monday Night Football. Not only did the Eagles get embarrassed and lose their third game in a row, A.J. Brown scored just 11 fantasy points. Now, against the Giants, a bounce back is inevitable. So I would be starting Brown with supreme confidence as a top five guy, but it's a little bit frustrating. Devontae Smith had an even worse game when you compare his game to A.J. Brown. He had five receptions on five targets for 50 yards. Again, I just have to believe that the Eagles will fly high yet again. Thus, Smith will be a top 18 guy. Quez Watkins is a one target a week guy, so you're going to sit him. For the Giants, Wandale feels like the wide receiver one on this team, but as I say every week, Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito picks a new number one every week. No need to rattle your brain by thinking about starting any of these guys. So just sit them all. That goes with Robinson, Slayton, Jalen Hyatt. Sit them all again. They all are speedy guys. They all have big upside. But again, even with how bad the Eagles defense has looked, like, do we really expect Tommy Cutlets to pull off a miracle? Maybe he does. But again, none of these guys are very reliable at all. Final game here. Monday Night Football. Ravens at 49ers, the game we've all been waiting for, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're not going to watch all those other games, I get it, right? They're all not that great on Christmas. Now, I'm going to watch them all because I love football. I'm a football guy at heart. But obviously, you know, it's Christmas. Some people might be dilly-dallying around with their family, right? So make sure you uh, save some time to chill out on the couch 
and uh, watch this one. So Ravens at 49ers. Now, I don't know how many of you guys travel during the holidays. I go to my fiance's house on Christmas Eve. I don't live very far from there, so it's not really that big of a deal. So it's nice to hang out with them. But when I was younger, we'd go to Connecticut, uh, where some of my other family lives. Now, again, that's not like doxing myself because Connecticut is a very large place, right? They got some great pizza there. Shout out Dave Portnoy. One bite, everyone knows the rules. But yeah, it used to be like as a kid, it would be like, oh, there's so much traveling. You got to get in the car for like three fucking hours. It was really annoying. Now, again, I did love Christmas as a kid, but it was frustrating. So now as an adult, I want to do as little traveling as possible, right? I want to, you know, football is I want to watch football. If there was no football, I'll sit in the car for 10 hours and drive. I don't care. But with football on, I got to be sitting my ass on the couch. So that's what I'm going to try to do on Christmas. So for the Ravens at the 49ers, Zay Flowers had a disaster of a game on Sunday Night Football. It's a disaster in the Roshan pit. Shout out to anyone that watches Dota back in the day. With one reception on two targets for seven yards. Prior to that, he was a top eight guy in back-to-back -back weeks, confirming what I already knew. He is a very boom or bust wide receiver against the 49ers defense. That's very, very tough. I'll put him as a high upside wide receiver three. Odell, just like Flowers. Odell went down for the count last week, just like Flowers with just two fantasy points. The upside of OBJ is still there, but against the 49ers defense, I would stay away. Rashad Master Bateman last week was the one of the best games of his season, and it was awesome to see as a Bateman guy. But he scored just seven points. His target share just doesn't cut it against the 49ers, especially for the 49ers. Debo Samuel has transformed himself like Optimus Prime from a high-risk, high-reward wide receiver into a top 12 guy weekly. Four straight games inside of the top 12. And four of those games, he had a total of nine fucking touchdowns in four games. Even against the Ravens' defense, I do expect him to be a top 10 receiver. Brandon Ayuka, the other hand, has been a lot more boom or bust, but his down games, his down bad games, aren't really catastrophic hits to your team, right? You're not getting hit with the, the right hand of the, the right hook from Deontay Wilder, right? It's a, it's a decent blow, but it ain't gonna kill you, so he should be fine. Should be a high-end wide receiver too by week's end, with upside to be a top five guy, which is something he's done twice this season already. For Juwan Jennings, he's a two receptions on two target type of guy. That's essentially what you're going to get from him every single week. That's what he got last week. So he's a clear sit. Thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure that you do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you'd like access to my weekly rankings, that'll be posted by Thursday. Make sure you guys check that out in the Patreon. Link in the video description for $7.50 a month. I also answer every single question on Patreon. Love you guys all so much. Hope you have a great day. And as as always, good boy!